prodding up through the frail integuments of the planet like a gigantic, like an intergalactic spear, isn't it? It's, a, it's, like the, it's like the tip of a cocktail stick emerging through the skin of a super-colossal pickled onion. Welcome to episode four of the Gristle Digest, the weekly podcast that prods nervously at the unsightly detritus of the week's news before drowning it entirely in a rich gravy of misinformation, gloriously inappropriate speculation and world-class nonsense. Today is the 24th of April. I'm Orip Sen and I'm joined as ever by my good friend Paul Moss. How's it going, Paul? Not too bad, sir. Not too bad. None too shabby here in the Moss Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, any highlights for you this week? Uh, probably, probably too many to to mention. In fact, all, all, all <laughs> just one never-ending. Just, sequence yeah, just of one. Highlights. I basically live my life as as a constant a constant highlight. <laughs> and yourself, um, and yourself. Uh, any, any highlights? Yeah, n- well, none none more than I can mention either. I suppose, or, or too many to mention as well. But uh, I suppose I'll just start with uh, the top stories. Go for it. Um, first story this week. World look, uh, looks set to lose all celebrities by the end of 2016 if the current mortality rate continues. Uh, the 2016 celebrity holocaust continued this week with the untimely demises of British comedian and much-loved funny-faced piano player Victoria Wood and androgynous 80s musical icon and pervy rascal Prince. In a year that has already seen the loss of David Bowie, Alan Rickman, Ronnie Corbett and Johan Cruyff to name just a few, insurance premium rates for celebrities are to skyrocket with many predicting a total wipeout of anyone who was ever known for doing anything by the end of 2016. <laughs> A BBC study claimed that the 26 or that claimed that 2016's obituary rate is staggeringly high. Five times more people have died in the opening months of the year than the year which recorded the previous highest number of obituaries. Uh, the story has led to a wildly unnecessary spe- speculation as to why this might be happening, with theories ranging from the baby boom generation to the widening definition of the word celebrity. Next story this week. Obama lets his hair down on in his end-of-term field trip to the UK. The US president today indicated in a BBC interview that he would not support sending ground troops into Syria in the latest episode of his end-of-term holiday to the UK. Obama's presidential visit to the UK has been characterised by student about-to-graduate kind of insouciance as he has casually tossed out quips about Brexit, participated in a town hall-style question-and-answer session with a demeanour that made Howard Marks look panicky, and hang out with Dame Judes at the Globe Theatres in Lunds. Uh, officially, <laughs> his trip was to commemorate the Queen's 90th birthday, but Obama has used the holiday to take in some culture, entertain some friends, and annoy a London mayor to the point of madness. World holds back tears as Sunday Times Rich List shows the planet's richest have fallen on slightly hard times. Mm. The, uh, the world has fought to hold back its tears upon the publication of the Sunday Times Rich List, which has shown that the wealth of those at the very top has indeed fallen. Lakshmi Mittal, who topped the list, previously had a reported fortune of £27.7 billion in 2008, whereas in 2016 his wealth was a paltry £7.12 billion. Others at the top of the list that have seen decreases in wealth include oil billionaires Carrie and Francois Pirodo, whose wealth has fallen 42% to £3.35 billion. 
However, before we all go and start wiring money to the hard-up super wealthy, it's perhaps worth noting that despite some individual cases of falling wealth, the wealth of the entire 1,000 on the list did in fact increase overall by nearly 30 billion. So maybe we don't need to call Phew. Lenny Henry just yet. Uh those are the stories for this week, Paul. Um, what start week. with yeah, some big what ones. Start with the start with the first story, which I must say is a story I don't really care about. The fact that yeah, all right, celebrities are dying all over the place. I mean, it dominated Fuck the news. Em. I felt obliged. To, I felt obliged to include it for the sheer kind of column, you know, inches it was taking up. But it has been a huge, huge story. And it's yeah, just every week, numerous, numerous people. This week, uh, also in addition, was WWE. <laughs> superstar China, the uh, the bodybuilder yes. come porn yes. star. Yes. Um. The the sad news there, and I'm wondered why this wasn't picked up by more stories. Is that she was officially the ninth wonder of the world. I believe that was official, and now now she's wow. gone. So wow. Um. So we haven't just lost a fantastic porn actress and mm-hmm. female wrestler. We've lost a wonder. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're, we're back down to eight. I can't uh, believe that hasn't been reported yeah. more widely. For records, the the eighth wonder of the world was was actually Andre the Giant, who's also I dead. So, I see. Yeah. oh my god, yeah, not yeah. a good time for wonders of the world. It's it's not good, but thankfully wrestling wrestling aren't going to pick any more world wonders, so we should right. be safe. <laughs> the moniker of doom. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I never want to uh, be a wonder of the world. Let's put it that no, way. I don't think I'm no, at any no. risk of that happening. But well, you don't you don't it's know a poison Paul. chalice. You don't poison know. Chalice. Don't 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 sell yourself short. I mean, that's you know come the on. curse of the wonder of the world the strikes curse again. Of the wonder of the world, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's been fine. I acknowledge that 2016 has seen a large number yeah, of celebrities irregularly passing high, away, higher than normal. I think that um, the highest number of sort of famous obituaries in a year according to the bbc was a couple of years ago and it was sort of 12 or 13 mm-hmm. and that was in the in the entire year and already at the moment we've had like 25 or something wow. that is, which is quite a lot quite but, exceptional, really. but i mean it's fairly obvious as to why it's all happening isn't it it's just drugs the, it's just the the zeitgeist oh. <laughs> or whatever is just is well yeah that as well that as well it's definitely not drugs <laughs> but it's it also it's drugs, drugs but it's kind of just everyone's famous so everyone yeah. You know, it'll be like in however many years' time when sort of Joey Essex or mm. one of these people die, there'll be sort of news reports about it. So it will seem, yeah, they'll just news in 20 years' time will just be a never ending stream of death reports about people oh, who are famous for like 12 minutes. Like reality <laughs> TV is, you know what I mean? Yeah, th- thank God, th- thank reality TV for that. That's what we Jesus, want. you're really, you're right though, aren't you? Because if you think of how many famous people from the 50s, like you. You know, you would struggle to get more than like 20, 30, maybe the 60s. You could certainly name more 70s, again, increasing 80s. And you're right with every decade, more and more famous people. So, yeah, it's, I guess it stands it's to just bound to happen, isn't it? More and so more you sort of deaths. wonder why there, there was so much kind of reasoning about it. And people were kind of like, is this is this sort of like the the end of the world? Yeah. I mean, are we are we all dying? That's um, it. And there, I think it does say in the Bible somewhere that. Yeah, so the apocalypse comes as four horsemen, and then it's the the, the Victoria celebrities. Wood. Yeah, the it's celebrities Wood. will all go Victoria um, Wood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next story was uh, Obama's trip to the UK. I Oof. mean, I, I sort of have followed it a little bit, and mm-hmm. I think he has just been kind of, you know, just like cruising about. Like it's yeah, not even just, like uh, he's sort of on a. It doesn't seem like he's the you know president of the US and he's coming to do this official visit. Like, you, did you see him at the town hall? It was kind of just. Quipping and yeah, kind of, you just, know, just like so hanging catch. out, so catch, yeah. 
Yeah. Shirt sleeves rolled up. <laughs> he um, can do that down there, can't he? What is he? Nine months. Exactly. Of a it doesn't presidency matter. There. It doesn't matter. You know, doesn't whatever matter. happens uh, come July, um, he's gone. And you know, and uh, the the final nominations for the re- respective parties, America's in the toilet. It, it doesn't matter now. Yeah, for him. he's walking he's gonna, away. You know, he's going to seem like as well, given what's likely to happen, mm-hmm. um, given yeah. who's likely to be elected, he's going to seem like this kind of just amazing. Ah, oh, you know, mate, he's going to be a legend. Exactly, his legacy will seem like he's at the back king. of his mind. He's got to be thinking, I'm guaranteed, I'm going to be on the twenty dollar bill at some point. There's going to be yeah. a Barack Obama day. Like he, the, the, the dude's a pioneer, so it's all it's all accolades and glory from here on in, really. <laughs> um, so I mean, he he's managed to. Uh, I think he's used this opportunity to sort of speak his mind about a few things as well. I mean, he spoke mm. about uh, Syria, which was obviously um, fairly punchy, but I don't think anyone was really surprised by that. But mm. he also kind of waded in again into Brexit and sort of yeah. mentioned that um, the possibility that if if UK left. Uh, the EU that if the US was to strike up um, a trade deal with the UK it could take 10 years mm. um, which is quite worrying but yeah um, and you can understand what he's getting at I oh mean, absolutely yeah. it makes actually makes quite a lot of sense I know a lot of people don't like to hear it <laughs> yeah it's, it's... but I sort of think I, I mean I think there will be uncertainty and it will take time but yeah. 10 years, ten years ten, is, I mean 10 years a long, <laughs> that's a long, a long time. time it is a long time I mean, but you know in his words we're going to get to the back of the queue the back yeah, of the that's queue yeah that's not a nice that's not a nice image yeah plus big, that's a, the it's a long cafeteria. queue I mean how many how many countries are there I mean we might Precisely. be out of Europe <laughs> but how what, it's a little bit what's unfair. happened to the rest of the world we're not it's a little bit unfair yeah. all the way to the back you know like behind like countries that are way smaller than us and stuff. yeah That's and there's like, loads of countries that, that they yeah. he hates well low we, like north korea they're they're in front of the queue than us that's that's essentially I mean, what he's saying an yeah. outrage an outrage barack yeah p- p- punchy words from barack really yeah. i mean he's uh dastardly park kenyan <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a ridiculous episode oh. i think that was earlier in the week wasn't it it um, was Boris it was johnson yeah but johnson or the sun i think yeah. perhaps well, uh, it was Boris Johnson who said it, but it was definitely published in the Sun, and you can tell they. I think it was a column he wrote for the Sun. To be honest oh, with you, Jesus, and, uh, that makes sense. See, it's even worse than <laughs> just, <laughs> a, you know, like a comment that was picked up. He was actually, you know, paid to write that. But yeah, yeah, with ridiculous. Intent. Yeah, exactly. it was ridiculous because it really kind of undone the because I've, I think Barack Obama put a lot of people's backs up by saying what he said because I think a yeah. lot of people don't like to hear that. But, you know, there's still a lot of very proud Englishmen. <laughs> Who yeah, still like to think and... that we run free, you know, three quarters of the world? And when you hear like someone saying, "Oh, you'll be the back of the queue," it's like, "What? Never! We're in England. We'll be at the number one spot forever." Um, and, and it really it, uh... annoys people. But then, and it also, it's <laughs> it's just not his, it's not his um, business, really, is it? It's not. It's not. Yeah. That, so you can see why it annoyed people. But then, yeah. with Johnson immediately backing it up with with a thinly veiled kind of yeah, just... a gossamer thin veil of racism. Absolute, yeah, mad, maddening argument that kind because he was, um, because his, his father was Kenyan, I suppose, mm. that that would instill in him some kind of post-colonial, kind of you know, congenital yeah, yeah, some, hatred some... of Britain, <laughs> which is just the insane. most tangential, ridiculous, insane, bullshit. Like in the same breath, it's it's him pandering to you know, his supposed best buddy Cameron, yeah, but also he completely hates Britain. So it's like, well. 
Does he? Does <laughs> Does he? he? I mean, I, he's sort of been really losing the plot a little bit, Boris Johnson, this oh, week, yeah. because, yeah. you know, in addition to He didn't Barack have much Obama, of a plot to start with, even. No, but, I mean, in addition to Obama saying these punchy things about, um, you know, Brexit and all the rest of it, he's kind of, you know, he's seeing him on TV just sort of lounging about, like hanging out at the Globe Theatre and stuff like that, just sort of <laughs> watching little, you know, ditties with Dame Judi Dench and stuff. And, and Boris Johnson is allegedly... You know, smoke is coming out of his ears and all sorts, but um, jealous. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, I mean, across the pond, it seems like uh, presidential debate or the presidential election is is hotting up. I mean, oh Jesus, yeah, yeah. One thing I saw which was quite interesting was Bernie Sanders. He's mm. obviously now struggling. Yeah, he's he's um, behind he's, Hillary Clinton. It's near near an impossibility for him now to get the the number of delegates needed. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, one one of the sort of slightly surprising statistics about about his campaign has been that he's lost in sixteen states where they've got really high income inequality, and um, you, wow. most people thought that those kind of states would would you know rally be the rally ones behind would, him. Yeah, exactly. You vote for him for Bernie. Him. That, that's who he's working for. Exactly. But he he came out as I think it was in the New York Times. He said today that poor people don't vote. And that's why he's done so badly. And I think most people then, in response to that, were like, "Well, if you're running for poor people, aren't you, Bernie?" And he's kind of like, "Yes." And they're like, "Well, what then? Why then? What then? Why then? What then? Why then, Bernie?" His, his key, his key voters, his key demographic are the non-voters. That's are not, yeah, exactly. He was a bold ride. political tactic. Exactly. Uh. Riding, to, riding to the White House on the backs of the non-voters. Um, and final story this week Paul is um, the uh, Sunday Times rich list came out today and um, my heart broke you know it's it's the usual it's the usual annual kind of vomit inducing uh, (laughs) taxonomy of swines and dick faces and um, (laughs) a lot of dick faces on that (laughs) they really are Um, yeah fine so some of some rich people have lost a bit of money um it doesn't it doesn't seem to uh change my opinion that uh, <laughs> <laughs> they've still got quite a lot of the money and um it, it seems like um well uh, e- even though uh the likes of Lakshmi Mittal and the Perodo brothers have lost money um actually over the same period of time that they're sort of uh, charting this, I think I, I read uh, in the Independent that inequality has actually increased like immeasurably, you know, like quite mm. a lot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> During that time, uh, if only those people Brit- voted. <laughs> exactly. If only those people voted. Uh, London still features quite highly in all of this. I think yep. previously, last year, there used to be eighty mm-hmm. of the top thousand, uh, you know, Sunday Times Rich List members that used to live in London. This year, it's gone down Ooh. to seventy-seven. Oh. Um, Probably because of Brexit, really, <laughs> um, which is quite probably because since Panama Papers, three of at least three of them have had to move. To... Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, and it's been a bit of a yeah, exactly. But that that may well be that way may well be a reason, Paul. You you joke and you make a you know a hum- amusing like that, but it might actually be based in some truth. A veritable muse, a veritable musing, um, but. You know, London still is, um, I think, like the most obvious kind of plutocratic place mm-hmm. in, in in Western Europe, at least. I mean, the, I think most people know about that kind of... There was a memo that was released some years ago by... It was actually drafted by two investment bankers 
uh, at I think it was Merrill Lynch or Citibank or something, and it was it was a memo that was drafted for their clients, you know, to sort of mm. show them how to you know an investment strategy. Uh, but it basically just identified what it what those bankers thought were what were called plutonomies, um, economies around the world where like the real you know the one percenters disproportionately control like, yeah. way more than they should and. You know, it wasn't really commenting on whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It was just saying that here are some places where that that is the case, and <laughs> the UK was one of them. You know, oh, and it's definitely. sort of saying that, you know, you, if you accept that that's how it is there, then you invest money on that basis. You know, like yeah. you invest in luxury goods brands, you invest in uh, companies that you know essentially exploit the poor. You know, like short term mm. lending businesses and all that sort of stuff. And it was a really like cynical breakdown of of the fact that this is kind of out there, like. You know, regardless of what happened in the rich list this year, <laughs> inequality is still at sort of eye-watering <laughs> levels in a way that it's perhaps never been before. Jesus. And um, you know, these the, the guys that sort of said this weren't sort of flag-waving commies or anything. They were bloody investment bankers. You know, like looking to make a buck. That's why they said it. And yeah, it's quite it's quite ridiculous. But that um, is shocking, isn't it? Like Jesus. Here's, yeah. here's some just really cold advice on how to <laughs> get ahead <laughs> how to exploit yeah. the already but I, you know up world. you can only you can only get to be that rich by being a bastard on this day in history so paul do you remember last week's facts you didn't even nearly remember uh, um, last I week when I asked know, you, uh, do you remember? Yeah, I remember. You, we, we, I remember. We don't need to indulge in this merry dance. I, I can I, just, it was, uh, was sports. There was it cricket, was boxing, and another tennis. Yeah, that's tennis. not sport though, is it? You can't blame me for not remembering that. That's true. But if if you if you do recall, it was in fact that the uh, the sort of theme was that they were mammoth sporting contests yes. for no no reason, and they all ended in draws. And um, the options were uh, in, uh, so this is uh, in respect of the 17th of April. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first fact was in 1875, English tennis player Henry Cadogan played Frank Denby of Canada in a match lasting 16 sets, which was eventually called a draw. In 1860, English boxer Tom Sayers fought John Heenan of the USA in a match lasting 37 rounds, which was eventually called a draw. Or in 1811, Kent played Sussex in a timeless cricket match which lasted 12 days before eventually ending in a draw. And as you may remember, you went for cricket. Mm, cricket. The Didn't cricks. Need. And uh, the answer is actually boxing. Ah! Um, in 1860, English boxer fought Tom Sayers, uh, uh, Tom Sayers fought John Heenan in a match which did last 37 rounds. Jesus um, Christ. Exactly, and was eventually called a draw. I, it was apparently... What year I think was it that? Lasted, year was so that? this was in 1860. Oh, you know they've got copper and gloves on as well. Jesus. Exactly, and it was a, I think it took... The fight itself was over sort of two and three quarter hours, and even though it was completely illegal at the time that it was fought, and even though it was fought in a field in <laughs> in Hampshire, um, sporting historians and kind of boxing enthusiasts acknowledge that it, it is the first, it is the inaugural world title fight. Wow. Um, because it took place between, you know, an Englishman, a bare-knuckles Englishman, Tom Sayers, and John Heenan of the US. So, um, and yeah, that, that it is meant to be the first, yeah, the first world title fight. Wow. It was also <laughs> definitely the first brain damage in a fight because... Cock and balls. that is insane yeah. 37 rounds in a Hampshire field 
Um, but you, you know, you did mention. Um, I mean, last week uh, you, you sort of you were close. You, you, it was, it was. There was a reason why you went for the cricket. Yeah, I went you for did the cricket. I knew about yeah, limited overs and yeah. Um, and you're right. There was actually a timeless test. I wasn't clear. I couldn't find out how many timeless tests there were. But there was uh, that timeless test that you mentioned. But it was mm-hmm. um, between England and South Africa. It was actually 1939 yeah. in Durban, and uh, it ended in a draw after 12 days, as you say, because the England team. Uh, would have missed their yeah. boat. Had to get the boat uh, back to go they? home. Had to, so, had to go through um, duty free and stuff. And uh... exactly, uh, so kind of uh, pretty pretty ridiculous uh, situation. And it was ne- there was never there was no timeless test ever played again after that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> probably. I realise this is a, a twelve days a for, for zero payoff. Yeah, I don't know if there are ever any more thirty-seven rounders uh, in boxing. Jeez, oh, I hope not. But, That's... Uh, I think there may have been. There probably would have been some long ones because I mean. Say oh, as Vihina. I mean, there used the... to be like eighteen rounds up until the you know, early parts of, of the last century. Up until I think like I mean, it's just brutal, isn't it? It's just it's yeah. just brutal after a point. But um, yeah, I mean, Say as Vihina was the first in what were called a number of fights of the century, and I think that's what some of those were meant to be um, pretty unpleasant uh, as well. I would imagine. But um, facts this week, Paul, um, and the theme for this week's facts is as you would probably expect um mass instances of mild law breaking oh. by innocuous groups of people you probably saw that coming yeah, a bit too obvious if anything you it's probably saw that coming a bit too obvious yeah um, like a surprise <laughs> yeah well unfortunately i've gone for mass instances of mild law breaking by innocuous uh, it's all right i'm ready for it groups I'm of ready. people uh the three facts the first one fact number one is in 1835 uh, so this is again in respect of the 24th of April, so it's today. Uh, in 1835, a mass sit-in by militant librarians took place at Chertsey Town Hall in an attempt to secure a public reading room in the building. Fact number two. In 1900, a mass display of public indecency by militant <gasps> nudists took place on Havering Sound. It's the worst kind of nudist. <laughs> <laughs> in an attempt to secure a public nudist's beach. And fact number three, in 1932, a mass trespass by militant ramblers took place. So the worst kind of rambler. (laughs) Exactly. In parts of the Peak District in an attempt to secure a public right of way. So that's 1835, militant librarians, 1900, militant nudists, 1932, militant ramblers. Wow. Which I'm, I'm struggling to say ramblers. That's how militant they were. Wow. Um, well, um, what do you reckon, Paul? Which one happened? Which one? Which ones? Which other two? Which were the two that were just? Well, it's uh, it's bollocks? it's funny to ask. Um, in my free time, I do like to ramble nude uh, around a library. So this, these, are, these are all stories close to my heart. Mm. <laughs> um, but uh, I've never met a rambler I didn't like. I've never met a nudist without at least something uh, interesting to say. But librarians, by their nature, are scum. <laughs> by, their, <laughs> to scum. by their nature. By their very by nature. By their it's, knowledge it's... preserving nature. Yeah. Oh, They're cataloguing of everything that mankind yeah, has said. Any any form of crime involving a librarian would come as zero shock to me. It's uh, yeah. it's just it's the only language those people understand. I'm going librarians. Librarians. Mm. So poor goes for librarians. Answers next week. Beam run a white van. <laughs> just call me the neighbourhood big man. Oi, oi, oi! Oh, crap. Oi, oi! Hey, Rope! Hey, Rope! Come here! Come here! What? 
Oi, oi. What? I heard you have a curry every day. What? No. Not, I mean, not every day. Like some, you know, some days. <laughs> oi, oi, oi. What? What? Well, I heard you punch that fat boy. Is that true? What? I no, I didn't, I didn't punch anyone. <laughs> what was that? Because you was eating curry. <laughs> oi, see you later, Aru. Be lucky. <laughs> Moss Report. This week, Orup, I have taken a voyage into the political outback, which is, uh, as it happens, also the actual outback. That's right, I've waded balls deep into the shocking and all too openly arsehole world of Australian politics. <laughs> now, Australian politicians, as, as far as I've been able to work out, are all essentially flag-waving Bible nuts who drip-feed xenophobic soundbites for shock reaction whilst necking back pints of beer and demonising foreigners as the root of all quantifiable evil in the world. Um, Australia is basically a country run entirely by Nigel Farage's. Uh, <laughs> Plural. <one> pati- <laughs> that's it. That's, that's Loads of Farage's, one. yeah. Uh, but one, one particular Farage, though, has caught my eye this week, and he goes by the name of Dr Dennis Jensen. Now, with an 18-year career in Australian politics, Dennis Jensen has left in his wake a trail of twattish opinions that you could follow like Hansel and Gretel escaping a sweet house witch and arrive easily assured of the fact that he's an utter drongo, um, so long as I'm right in my assumption that drongo means cunt. Uh, <laughs> spicy. <for> starters. <laughs> oh, spicy indeed. Uh, for starters, though, and this is why I, I believe he is a drongo. Um... <laughs> Jensen boycotted uh, Parliament on the day of the state's official apology for Australia's stolen generation, which was the uh, the state-ran systematic removal of Aboriginal children from their families, um, a horrific practice that was happening as recently as the 1970s. Uh, he also recently successfully outraged many by openly saying that the state should not be funding noble savages uh, <laughs> over government funding for Aboriginal settlements. Now, in addition to his irrational disdain for Australia's indigenous people, although, to be fair, he did say they were noble savages. Uh, it's definitely a step up from just plain old savage, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, they're, they're noble. Exactly. <laughs> Something, isn't it? They're not, yeah. Um, but Jensen is also an enormous global warming denier, uh, writing the whole thing off as just a bunch of drummed-up scrub-wongle, uh, and is on record <laughs> and is on record as saying the link between human activity and global warming is for bogans. It is. He pulled the bogan card out in possibly the least appropriate context, <laughs> but fine. Um, Jensen is also a long-time darling of the incredibly populous and vocal evangelical Christian right of Australia, meaning we have a full house of hatred. As surprise, surprise, he is also very much opposed to gayness in any and all its forms. Um, during a 2012 interview, I believe with the Wobogatango Urban Observer, um, <laughs> Jensen went on record as stating, it's Bruce and Sheila, not Bruce and Peter, uh, before going on to describe in great detail the types of aggressive homosexual encounters with large groups of Aboriginal men he would simply hate to have. Um, but despite the multiple streams of abhorrence pouring out of this narrow-minded shit whistle, the good doctor has flashed up on my retard radar this week as he's just been told in no uncertain terms 
to rack off uh, by the Liberal Party, for whom he has held a seat in Parliament for 12 years. Uh, the reason for which had nothing to do with the mill of hate he's been spilling for nearly two decades. It's because he recently self-published a techno-thriller entitled The Sky Warriors. Um, now, nice. the, book's, the book story focuses around a fictional war between Australia and their age-old adversary, Indonesia. Um <laughs> Backed, of course, by the Local Derby, Chinese. Isn't it? it is. It is. <laughs> now, although you may be thinking that Jensen was canned for jeopardising those uh, all-important Austro-Indo-Chinese relationships, you would in fact be wrong. The good doctor's literary endeavours in fact exposed his sizzling sexual underbelly. Um, <laughs> and one cringe-inducing, erection-killing paragraph of pseudo-rape-erotica later that Jesus' vote was lost, and with it, his 18 years of hate-mongering in the name of Australia was finished. Jensen has since claimed he was the victim of a smear campaign by uh, the newspaper The Australian, uh, to which the paper rebutted in fantastic form um, by saying Jensen is the rarest of unpublished authors who sues a publisher for publishing material, the publication of which he had previously actively sought. <laughs> Burn! Burn. <laughs> get some some burn lotion for, uh, for Dr. David Jensen. Um, and with that, the burning star of bullshit that was Dr. Dennis Jensen fades into the night sky of hatred. But, you know what, Arup, I do like to think that somewhere in the infinite cosmos of bigotry, as I speak these very words, uh, Nigel Farage is sat in his study, tapping out a smutty, xenophobia-fueled <laughs> techno-thriller. We can but dream, my good friend, we... We can but dream. Well. And that was the focus of the, the Moss Report this week. Well, What the ruddy bloody hell do you make of all that? Well, I mean, yeah, Dennis Jensen is um, is, is, is an interesting character. I think oh. the first thing that jumps out at you when you look at Australian politics is the fact that the Liberal Party are really not exactly <laughs> yeah. how you yeah, would... Yeah, they're most unliberal. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, I'm, don't I'm assuming they way. use that in pure, pure irony. <laughs> that I would normally associate with the Liberal Party. Yeah, exactly. It's just like a joke. It's like another one of yeah. these Aussie jokes. They're funny <laughs> bastards over there. So they call their <laughs> asshole party the Liberal Party. But um, So that was an interesting one. And yeah, you're right. He is a sort of strident climate change denier. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, he's... He's. I think he's, he's been uh, involved in the publication of, of books and things that. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, say it's all hogwash and and things like that, which is very, you know, and, and Australia has. Um, I think it was under Kevin Rudd, but it was it was you know it's had a no it was under um, uh, the, the the current prime minister uh, uh, Tony Abbott, it, but they've mm. had a shocking record with, um, you know, the environment generally, just sort of, uh, oh. you know, destroying <laughs> biomes that are uh, you know endangered and all the rest of it, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's a he's a pretty unsavory unsavory character on and 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 as you seem to point out, just ticks the boxes. Yeah, in oh, yeah. Every single kind of if if you had him, if you had like trump cards of bigotry. Oh he, my god, they would he, literally he would be, be called trump a, cards as well. Like after they would be called trump yeah, cards. Ah, wow. oh, top. Who trumps. would you know? Dennis Jensen would be like a super boss. It'd be so oh, difficult yeah. to beat. Um, he would absolutely destroy Farage. I mean, Farage. I don't know. His points. I just don't think they would compete with someone like Dennis Jensen. I don't know. It's it's different, different league. Yeah, <laughs> different league of hatred. I mean, his book. <laughs> did you? Uh, it's had um, obviously uh, people are, are concentrating on the fact that it is 
had some saucy saucy passages in there. Very little um, source, to be fair to this guy. Yeah, like, a paragraph. It was like of yeah, like a single paragraph was enough to um, anger the Christian right. But some <laughs> other people have actually looked into, have sort of read it more broadly. And yeah, um, I didn't read it. No, I haven't either. <laughs> but I, I like the fact that someone compared it to an Adam Sandler movie. I was like, what? The? <laughs> and I'm not sure what that was quite getting at. And then I think in the same breath, it was mentioned that. Um, you know, women are portrayed relatively negatively and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, and also that there's loads of kind of um, descriptions like of how military equipment Yeah, works. like geek facts for like submarines and helicopters. Yeah. Like really boring like Yeah, detail. copied out passages yeah. of a military manual thinking that that's what people want to see. And I, I, when, I th- when, you see, when you read books like that, and sometimes you do mm-hmm. read books like that, where someone is just completely... Has just lost the plot in terms of what they think people want to read. Yeah, and and it's almost like if that was made, if that was made into a film, if you could imagine, it would just be like watching a man do a really detailed kind of, you know, like mechanical procedure for like eight, yeah. eight minutes. Like the bit in the movie where they've got to like uh, like fix something or like the A team when they would do up the van. Like yeah, you typically would go to a montage. Montage. You? And th- if this guy was doing it, it would just be like no, you're watching four hour film. You're watching him unscrew you know, every yeah. screw. We, you know, weld every inch and kind of fiddle everything. around for the for the right size wrench yeah. and stuff. Like that. But that's Jensen for you, Paul. That's Jensen. Uh, what a tosser! What a cock! What a cock! Did you did you see some of the the smut that was was in that paragraph? I do have a. Do you have small section here? Would which, you like to regale said small section? Because I, I don't think. But I, before I do that, I, yeah. I would ask the the people of the good people of the internet to. Mm. To just try and hold in those orgasms. It's okay. going to be hard. Okay. <laughs> well, that's me included, I must say. But yeah, oh, go, go for it. Of course. Um, <clears throat> flushed with the excitement of the moment, <laughs> Rono felt that he just had to relieve himself. He violently pulled Yasmin's blouse buttons apart, completely ignoring her protests. Yasmin didn't believe in wearing bras. In fact, she really didn't need to. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> wow. Um, like why? Wow, so so yeah. short and yet so revealing. Uh, yeah, both in terms of what happened. <laughs> I feel genuinely grubby now for, for uh, having read that out yeah. loud. I wonder how that was kind of integral to the plot when it was happened. If it just sort of, if they just like, if you just parachuted that paragraph well, into, I think he he did. So his, his, I read his father was a, a journalist and an author, and his advice to him was, if you want to get published, just throw in at least one sex scene. A little bit of sex, mate, goes a long way to getting published but in Australia. How d- how do you break up the detailed Adam Sandler style <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. rundown of a, of, of, a, of a battle helicopter? You can't help in but the think. Austro-Indonesian War. There's some mixed um, reviews about this out there, aren't there? <laughs> there are. They are the, the reviews uh, range a, a complete gambit all the way from shit to fucking awful. <laughs> and, and all the stops in between. Dear, oh dear. Dennis Jensen, <laughs> a stern indictment by Paul, from Paul Moss. <laughs> We salute you, Jensen. We salute you, buddy. <laughs> we going there, mate? Uh, King's Cross Station, please. Yeah, all right, up in. Thanks. Oh, it's a shame what happened to Victoria Wood. Oh, you wanker! She was a lovely woman. Yeah, yeah, no, she was, isn't it? Very talented. Ah, oh, national treasure, mate. Dave Cameron said it himself. She was what mm, you would yeah. call. Uh, well, when you get back of your bloody tree, mate. She was, she was what you call a born entertainer. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 no. She was no, born so. to entertain. And not in a way that, like, you know, you know Jessica Alba was born to entertain. You know what I mean? Oh, God. No, 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 but she was terrific, mate. No, she was, she was. I'll tell you what, I ain't going to miss that other bloke who popped it. What's his name? 
Oh, you put the fucking line there. What was his name? What, Prince? Prince. Yeah, I ain't shedding a tear for no one that went around looking like that. Looked like he had a kiddie yeah. fiddler for a dad and a dyke for a mum, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I'll smash your face in. Oh, you look about 60, love. No, sorry, I, I don't know what you yeah, what's, what's this all about? It's doves crying. Doves crying. I don't give a toss about your lots bloody doves, mate. They can cry all they bloody want, you know what I mean? We have lanes in this country, mate, ain't the bloody jungle. Oh, good grief. And purple rain, you taking a piss? Purple bloody rain? Oh, his lot would love that, wouldn't they? Purple bloody rain, nonsense about with umbrellas and dildos um, and the purple bloody rain. I, I think I can get out here, actually. Oh, and another thing. Signal, you monkey. Removing your own ribs. Please. So gonna... Please, here will be fine, sir. Alright, alright, alright. yourself. That will be £64 then, please, mate. 64 Fine, here. No tip. Wanker. Sports and douchebag sportsman of the week uh, this week goes, and this is a controversial choice, Paul. Um, you may, this is contentious. Am, am I you likely may, to disagree? <laughs> you may disagree. It's not me, is it? Uh, it's not you. It's not you. Your sporting endeavours haven't made the press. Oh, thank God. This week. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Uh, but this week's douchebag sportsman of the week goes to Chelsea's Eden Hazard, who said oh. in a post-match interview that we don't, we don't want I know why you picked the this. fans, the club, the players... <laughs> Tottenham to win the Premier League. <laughs> That's what he said, Paul. He did. And uh, later <laughs> on Match of the Day, Rude Hillett said that he understood the comment, yeah. but he wouldn't have said it. Yeah. And that Martin, Martin Keown, of all people, <laughs> former Arsenal player, Martin Keown said, the Tottenham players are probably listening to that right now and it's goading them a little bit. But they might say, this is classic, where's Eden Adam been all season? Hey, where you been, Eden? You know what I mean? I'm Martin Keown. I want to know where you've been. And... Uh, so, what do you make of all of wow. that? I mean, yeah, I've I've obviously gone for that, but look, I think the point is um, with this with this piece, I am I am one of the small minority of people in the country that don't want Leicester to win the Premier League. <laughs> you're uh, right, you're because, alone because I'm a Tottenham fan, uh, and apparently Eden Hazard and Cesc Fabregas yeah. has also have also chimed in, but. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? Wow. What a douchebag thing to do, right? <laughs> wow. Right? Well, oh, curse that handsome bastard. <laughs> uh, um, I, well, you know, there's a lot of history. There's a lot of history. There is a bit of history. Um, I'm forgetting on terribly well. I, uh, I, I only ever get to see Chelsea um, during <laughs> cup games. Yeah. Uh, and usually it's early round League Cup games. So we're playing not particularly great teams. And all... Uh, cup game Chelsea fans all they do is sing about how much we hate Tottenham and I obviously well, didn't grow up uh, yeah. in Chelsea in fact grew up with with uh, <laughs> Spurs best mate so I don't yeah. naturally hate you guys as much as maybe I should well <laughs> I, I, I love that you picked this I've... story <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a touchy one. I mean, it, you know, I, I, I get it. We, we Tottenham have got basically Chelsea mm. um, are essentially in a position where they could decide yeah. the fate of the Premier League. I mean, I think they're playing both as we uh, we have teams, in, they're certainly playing Tottenham. Many leagues before, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're to yeah, but, but in a, in a, yeah, to their own, <laughs> yeah, to their own in, in respect of their yeah. own position. But this time, uh, Spurs playing Chelsea in the last day of the season, so um, obviously a must-win game for them. Mm. But um, yeah, Eden Hazard 
Yeah, nice that he pipes up. He scored, a, he scored two goals this week. Did, I think, against, did got, a brace, uh, got a brace. Got a brace. He's come. Uh, he's well found, done found his him. form again, just in the nick yeah, of time. Exactly. Yeah, in the nick of time. <laughs> in the nick of time for Belgium. <laughs> exactly. Not soon enough for Martin Keogh, though. <laughs> it has to be said. Um, so that's uh, my version of Douchebag Sportsman of the Week, which you may disagree with. Um, unlucky, unlucky Bastard of the Week, Paul, mm-hmm. this week. Um, so this week's Unlucky Bastard of the Week is Nigerian football referee... Wale Akinsanya, who was named as the referee charged with marshalling the match between Wari Wolves and GYFC. Uh, it's always going to kick f- off. Yeah, despite the fact that he's been dead for over three months. <laughs> um, so pretty bad luck for him. Um, probably got enough on his plate being dead yeah. <laughs> uh, without having to worry about a football match. But um, yeah, this is sort of in, in Nigeria, there's been a bit of a problem. <laughs> In that, uh, I think that the football federation has got some internal wranglings, which has resulted in two two lists of referees. Um, so, a sort of referees for or officials generally for each football match remaining <laughs> yeah. in the season now in existence. So, sort of two sets of officials are turning up, uh, or potentially could turn up for each game uh, <laughs> each week, and um, you know. <laughs> one of them's dead. <laughs> one, of them, well, one of them's dead. That so. is definitely unlucky. I can't argue with this one. Pretty I think unlucky. we, you know, pretty unlucky. Bone of contention over <laughs> yeah over the previous section, but but I, I mean, think what we can if both we... agree that being dead yeah. is unlucky? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is pretty unlucky. But if we just flick back actually to Leicester Tottenham, I mean, <laughs> let's do it. You know, I I must say I don't I can't I won't hate Leicester for the winning. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing story. Isn't yeah, it? it's it's um, it's bonkers. I. Of, uh, I like to just wind people up and take uh, small amounts of joy away from people and everyone's very pro Leicester and I am enormously I can't wait to, to see him do it it's brilliant um, but I've gone along the line of uh, Leicester looking like they're going to win probably going to finish on about 80 points not a massive kind of haul by any stretch so is this uh, really well played Leicester or is it just the failings of, uh, of the big five premiership clubs and, and indicative else. of the weakening status of the Premier League we went from constantly wow. having at least two semi-finalists in the Champions League throughout the 2000s. Wow. Um, what, a, what a melancholy overture yeah, to now we're to just otherwise. now now even Leicester Fairy can win this story. league. I know it, it absolutely shits on it. I'm having I'm having a whale of a time bringing people down with it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's just the kind of attitude we need. But um, and just enough time, Paul, this week I think after sports mm-hmm. for an audio Instagram, oh, if you will. I love these. If you it's... permit me one indulgence. Um, <laughs> and just know. to clarify, actually, yeah. one thing I said last week, I said that an audio Instagram is me describing a, a, an Instagram image that I selected this week. By select, I mean completely fabricate um, <laughs> any kind of, you know, Kanye West lawyers out there or whatever, just to sort of, you know, FYI. Uh, oh, they're busy. If you can Gary, yeah, Gary exactly. busy got bigger Kanye West lawyers. <laughs> exactly. But um, this week's uh, audio Instagram of week, Paul, is a picture of Chedlington J. Evans, or Ched Evans, <laughs> to his mates at Weatherspoons in Sheffield with his arms around teenage, teenage girls. Instagram with the ta- hashtag thug life. Um, so <laughs> that's that's the one I've selected this week. It's the one the nation would have selected. I think in this, yeah. this week of loss and tragedy, I think everyone was... Yeah. Their hearts were warmed by the, the, the exactly. near end every, to the plight of Every Evans. cloud has a really sleazy poo-poo football <laughs> aligning. Um, so that probably wraps it up for this week. Please, uh, if you liked it, please follow us uh, on Twitter Why at Crystal Digest. Why wouldn't you do that? Exactly. Also, check out our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash the 
hyphen gristle hyphen digest um you can also find us on itunes oh, get on itunes wow. download us up um and also check out our youtube page and email us with any comments Crumbs. or suggestions or anything that you want to say uh the gristle digest at gmail.com why would you That's not all do f- all of those things why why as, as a human being would you not I don't know it, it, if you're it, just it selfish. Me. It baffles me. It would be. It selfishness. Would be, if you're if you're listening now and you're not going to do any of those things, fuck you. Well, don't. I mean, yeah, I'm going to win it back. But, but do that. carry on listening. <laughs> do, do please. And on that note, please do tune in next week. Um, it'll be great to have you back. Uh, and uh, that's goodbye from me. And goodbye from myself. Fuck you. Fuck you. What you want to do? We give a fuck about you. So fuck you. Wherever you are